Welcome to Walking It Out, living the Bible in everyday real life. Hey there, everyone. Pastor Brad Kirby here. You know, I was reading Hebrews 5 yesterday, and I had a, an obscure, odd memory come to my mind. It's funny, the stuff that you will remember from when you were a kid. I remember, here's, here's the memory that came to my mind. I remember getting kicked out of the nurse's office when I was a kid. As embarrassing as that is to say, yes, it actually happened. I remember being stunned. I remember being embarrassed. It's probably why I haven't forgotten about it. You know, I was that kid, certainly in my elementary years, um, that hated being at school. I mean, all I wanted to do in life in my elementary age uh, years was to be outside. I wanted to play outside. I would have rather been anywhere other than school. And so my plan to deal with that was to go to school um, often and pretend and play to be sick. I mean, you know the routine. I would go to my teacher. I would tell her I was sick, tell her I had an upset stomach. She would send me to the nurse's office. They would take my temperature. I might lay down for a few minutes. And truth is, if I, I knew if I held out long enough or I complained enough, they would let me call my mom. And my mom would come and she would get me. I remember those years. And the truth is, I was good. Good at faking. And being sick was amazing. And when you were sick, you got to go home. You got special attention. In the Kirby household, you'd get a sick prize, some candy or a, a toy. I mean, what was there not to like about this? Well, in the fifth grade, there was one week where I decided this was so great, I would try to pull this off multiple days in a row. And you think back now, as an adult, you're like, well, that's not smart, super obvious, but I was in the fifth grade. hadn't really thought it through much at that point. So I remember going to the nurse's office multiple days in a row, and I could tell after like the second or the third day, even from just walking in the nurse's office on this day, her facial expression wasn't pleased to see me. And before I could even get the words out of my mouth that I don't feel well... She yells, if you're really sick, tell your mom not to bring you to school. Now go back to class. Let me tell you what, I was stunned, stunned into silence. I remember turning around quickly and I, I ran back to class. I probably never went to the nurse's office again. I could have been legitimately deathly sick for real and I wouldn't have gone back. And I think back on that and I realized that the nurse had just called me out. She didn't just call me out for being a liar. She called me out for pretending. But the truth is she called me out for acting like a child. I mean, she might as well have yelled at me, grow up. I'm not playing these childish games anymore. And you know what? It hurt. It was harsh. And I was busted. But it was true. I think of that story when I hear the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 5 and, and the reason why I think of that is because what the author does in this chapter is he calls out his readers for almost the same thing, except for it's probably a little bit worse. I mean, the nurse called me out for acting childish when I was actually a child, but this author in Hebrews chapter 5 was calling out his readers for acting spiritually childish when they were in their spiritual adulthood. I mean, look at what he says. He begins this chapter teaching and explaining the qualifications, the conditions, and the purposes of the earthly high priests and how Jesus is superior. I mean, that's the common theme in Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is superior. He is superior, better than all the high priests of that earthly covenant. 
And interestingly, as you read through it, it's almost as if this author pauses mid-teaching to make an observation about his audience. He calls them out for their childishness, like that nurse did with me right in the middle of this. Look at verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. And the author says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This author is talking about the priesthood of Christ and his audience cannot understand it. Why can't they understand it? Here's what he says, because it's too hard. It's, is it, not because it's too hard. It's, it's not because it's too hard for them to comprehend. It's because his audience is not mature enough to understand it. I mean, he accuses them of being spiritually childish. And they become sluggish and undisciplined. Their knowledge and hearing and their hearts were not mature enough to understand these teachings on Christ. And that had to be embarrassing to be called out like this. The truth is we expect children, and I expect children, to do childish things. When I had kids, when I had little children, I wasn't shocked when they threw temper tantrums. I, I wasn't shocked. I would never be shocked by a little kid who still uses the bathroom in their pants and and that they can't comprehend difficult things. And, you know, when children are children, milk, it, there's nothing shameful about that. It's an appropriate meal for children. But if all of those things were true of a 30-year-old, if a 30-year-old still did those things, it would be unacceptable, embarrassing. I mean, if I found a 30-year-old who still can only drink milk, throws temper tantrums, uses the bathroom in their pants, and can't speak good English, can't understand difficult things or mature things, clearly something has gone wrong in their maturation process. Ashvin, Pastor Ashvin Ziafat from Texas describes it this way. He says these Hebrew readers, they were grown-ups sipping bottles. Once they had enjoyed spiritual state, but now they were regressing. Once they had learned, as the author says, the basic principles of the oracles of God, that the Old Testament scriptures point to Christ and are fulfilled in him. But now, as, as this author says, they needed someone to teach them again. And the question we ask is, what was it? What causes that kind of an immaturity? Here, their hearing used to be mature. It used to be adult. It used to be sharp. And the author pinpoints what brought about their regression that made them become like children again. And, and here are the two words. He says it was because of, and these are the words that caught my attention, and I want to look in this a little bit today. It was because of their dull hearing. I think it's important for us to take a quick moment and break down those two words so we know exactly what we're talking about. The Greek word used here for dull means sluggish, slow, lazy. So, I mean, these Christians, these readers, have become lazy in their hearing. They've become sluggish in their understanding. It's not because the teaching was too hard. It's not because the, the author was a bad teacher or somehow they were too stupid to be able to comprehend this. He makes it clear that they had become lazy in their ability to hear the truth. I think about Spanish in, in high school. You know, I took three years of Spanish 
in high school. My freshman, sophomore, halfway through my junior year, and I actually got pretty good at it. You know, I could speak it somewhat. I remember going on mission trips and having conversations. I could understand it. I'm, there was even a point where I was dreaming in Spanish, but after my junior year, we moved back to Louisiana from Texas, and I, I quit practicing and uh, studying my Spanish. I didn't really even try to pick it up again for the next 15 to 20 years or so. And let me tell you what happens. I, I regressed in my understanding of it. My hearing became dull. My understanding of Spanish was no longer just kind of average. It was definitely muy minusculo, if that's even a Spanish word. That's what dull means. And what does it mean to hear? I mean, biblically speaking, to hear is is not just to listen. It's different than listening, but it's also to, the idea of hearing is not just that I'm hearing and listening to noises and words, but that I'm understanding it to the point that it causes me to obey. Again, Pastor Ashton Ziafat points out, you know, that earlier in Hebrews, the author speaks of these Israelites who heard God's word and yet still fell away and, and didn't inherit the promised land. He says this in Hebrews 4.2, Good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They heard the promises of God and yet they still didn't endure. They heard, but they didn't continue in obedience. They heard God's word, but they still fell away from the Lord. And the author of Hebrews accuses his audience of deliberately ignoring God's word due to laziness. They had become so sluggish and lethargic to Scripture that they had regressed in their understanding of it, and it was resulting in their immaturity and childishness. Now, not only could they not understand more deep things of the faith, they were forgetting the fundamentals. They were forgetting, as he said here, the elementary doctrines of the faith. And here's the point I want to I want to press today as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, as a pastor for the last 25 years. It's still a problem today. When I read Hebrews 5, I look at that and I see the problem of dull hearing today, and I think it's a problem of epidemic proportions today. I mean, there was a recent study by LifeWay uh, research that, that highlighted the problem. It said a third of Americans who attend church, only 32%, a third of them would say that they read the Bible personally every day. And only a quarter, 27%, say they read it a couple times a week. I mean, one of the most often and repeated observations of the Christian church today is that it's a church that's characterized as being biblically illiterate. They don't know the Bible, they don't read the Bible, they don't have a relationship with it. It's not because they they don't they can't read. I mean, I love it. Author Tim Challey says, look, 100% of us have the some level of literacy that allows us to understand the Word. We have access to it. It's not like we don't have access to the Bible. I mean, all of those things are true. The issue is not ignorance, personal expectation, or raw ability, but it's an issue of a lack of commitment. People simply do not do what they believe they ought to do or even what they want to do. Some would say the church is... Biblically illiterate, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, would call the church today dull of hearing and immature. And so the big question for us and the encouragement for us and the encouragement I have for myself is, hey, what do we do about it? I mean, what do we do about it as a pastor and what do we do about it as a church? Let me tell you the first thing I think we ought to do is, is look at the church's responsibility to feed sheep and the, and the pastor's uh, and, and a disciple maker's um, responsibility to teach individual believers. I mean, we have a couple problems in the church. I think there's a lot of congregations today, and a lot of churches, a lot of services, and a lot of so-called sermons uh, that 
only offer their people uh, Skittles instead of uh, consistent uh, milk or consistent meat. I I think there's a lot of congregations who all they drink is nothing but milk. and And it's not because they couldn't take more, but sometimes I think one problem is because that's all that the pastors are willing to feed them, if that. I think there's a growing trend today of pastors who would say, in order for us to keep people in the church, in order for us to be popular, we need to unhitch our wagons from the Word of God. I think it's a fatal mistake. I think there's others where congregations, the individuals themselves, will refuse any solid food that pastors are offering them. And and the truth is, we can't grow if we don't solve those problems. And so the first thing I would say is this, it's on my heart, is that we ought to give our congregation Lots of the Bible when we have opportunity to do it in our services, in our study, in our in our ministry resources, in our programming. I mean, it's, it's, you know, even Tim Challies would remind us from beginning to end. You, you think about a worship service, from the call to worship to the benediction. We ought to soak our people in the Word. We ought to open with Scripture, read Scripture, confess sin through Scripture, pray Scripture, preach Scripture, sing Scripture, and send people on their way with Scripture. When we have conversations with our people through the week. We ought to give them scripture that encourages them. We ought to be ministers of the word. We ought to, as Paul says, never shrink from declaring the word in public from house to house. And maybe, depending on where your congregation is, maybe milk is all that can be digested. But but what we do is we ought to give it consistently. We ought to give it consistently until our people crave it more, until they mature, until they can handle more. I mean, think about Hebrews 5.14. The author says... That solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment. And the people that are mature, who want the solid food, who have the powers of discernment, how do they get there? They're trained by, verse 14, constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You see what the the answer is? If you find yourself uh, as a minister, as a teacher, as a leader with people who can only handle spiritual milk, give them spiritual milk. That's what this author did in Hebrews 5. But I'm going to give it to it so consistently uh, that they crave it, they want it, they mature, and they move past it to something more solid. You're not going to solve laziness uh, and the laziness of hearing issue by trying to immediately throw biblically immature Christians' steak of the Bible in, in meat when they're not ready. I mean, you aren't just going to throw them deep knowledge. The problem isn't a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of obedience. It's a lack of practice. It's a lack of consistency. Through consistent obedience, we grow into maturity. Maturity isn't about, isn't something that's achieved by being more educated necessarily or gaining more knowledge. It's primarily gained by being more obedient. And so I think for pastors, let me tell you what, unapologetically, I think there are times where people will hear me preach on a Sunday morning and there would be people who would say, Brad, look, give us lemonade, man. Give us less of the Word. It's a lot of Scripture. It's a lot of the Bible. Look, I, uh, uh, unapologetically, this is, this is how I lead. And we live in a mission field, in a world, and in a season for the church that I think is right to be described as biblically illiterate. We're not going to solve that by taking even the milk away from the congregation. No, I'm going to feed the sheep. And I'm going to feed the sheep responsibly, faithfully, as, as productive as I can until number two, that the sheep take responsibility for feeding themselves. I mean, one, I think we need more pastors who preach the Word, and preach the Word consistently, repeatedly, and they preach it a lot when they have a chance. And two, there is a point, though, where 
individuals, all of us, personally, Monday through Saturday, have to take responsibility for maturing ourselves. You know, I remember in college when I was at LSU, I had a friend who, when he went home, his mom would still run his bath water for him. This is a guy who's probably a, you know, a 20 year old his mom would still set the table in the morning and make all of his food and i remember all of his friends would see this and and we were embarrassed for him we'd be like bro you you need to grow up you're you're a grown man you can't have your mom still making your food and setting the table for you running your bath water and he would look at us and say why not it's easy why not this is the lazy route what do you do What do you do if you find yourself not wanting to read the Bible? What do you do if you find yourself maybe having regressed in your understanding of Scripture? If you've become spiritually lazy, let me offer you words of wisdom from Solomon. In Proverbs 22, 17 through 18, there's a lot of helpful tips, but I just think it's a wonderful reminder for us. I mean, (coughs) Solomon says this in Proverbs 22, 17. He says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. You know what he says you ought to do today if you're struggling with time in the Word of God? You don't hunger for it. You're not, and, and because of that, you're forgetting doctrine. You're forgetting the elementary doctrines. You're immature in your faith. Here's what he says you ought to do. You ought to incline your ear. Incline your ear means I'm going to lean over. I'm going to bend over. I'm going to work if I can't hear. If you say something to me and I can't hear, let me tell you what, I'm going to get closer. Let me tell you what, you need to just force yourself to be in front of the Word of God. Set a time. Set a place. You know, the podcast right before this is that we would be intentional about abiding in the Word of God. Make a plan. Be disciplined. When you haven't been disciplined for a while, if you haven't been disciplined physically, when you finally start back being disciplined, it's painful. It's tough. But you develop a habit. might take 20, 30 days. But incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And it's not just about hearing. What do we do once we put ourselves in front of the word of God? And we do that consistently. Solomon said that we would want to what? Apply our heart to that knowledge. Now that's the good question. How do we do that? What does it mean to apply our heart? It means not only do I want to have the knowledge in my head, how do I get to a place where I love it? And I want it so much so that it affects my life. I become passionate about it. Let me let me give you an analogy that I heard another pastor give, but I give it in my way. I, I mean, suppose you were to come over to my house and you know that I'm making gumbo. Chicken and sausage gumbo. And you walk in and you smell it and you can hear the bubbling in the pot. And, and you want to eat it. <coughs> I mean, when then you walk over to the pot and you see... The rabbitose sausage in there. You see the chicken. It looks amazing. And as close as you are to it, you can see it. You have all the information about the gumbo. Just being next to it and inclining yourself to it doesn't help you taste it. You don't have the gumbo in your mouth. What do you do? What do you do with this gumbo uh, of the word? You get a bowl. You get a spoon, you put it in the bowl, and you eat it. And you chew it, and you swallow it, and you taste it, 
and you do this over and over and over again, and as as as, as John Piper, Pastor John Piper would say, you say to your heart, eat heart, eat heart, and do it over and over again. I mean, what's the difference? <coughs> James says in a doer, of, a hearer of the word, and a doer of the word. A, a doer of the word is someone who stands in front of the law of God's word. He stands in front of the word and consistently returns over and over and over again. You incline your ear to the word and you taste it and you eat it and you apply your heart to the point where it satisfies you and nourishes you until you love it. And and, and the more you do that, you nourish yourself till you grow, you mature. It's how it works with the word of God. It's, It's on my heart. I pray for a generation of believers. I pray for a generation of the church who would be compelled and would have a hunger, a compulsion and a hunger for the Word of God. I pray that we would be uh, students of the Word, that we would feast on it. I pray that our churches and our ministries would be, as Matt Chandler says, creatures of the Word. It's my hope for you today. It's my hope for me. It's my hope for my kids. Let's go dive in the Word today today, and incline our ears Apply it to our heart. Let's go eat. Let's go eat and nourish ourselves on the daily bread, the Word of God today. Hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, we will uh, be back here soon next time. Bye.